Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Show. Uh, my name is Steve, and I'm the one that remembers their name. Um, and welcome to welcome to the podcast. I don't know whether it's coffee or a alcoholic beverage or whatever it is that I need after watching the Big Ten this week, but clearly the the conference was on on something, and it feels like we've been saying that every week. Um, that we've been on here, but I, I I think we 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 now officially have chaos. Brett, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I believe the beverage you're looking for is a four loco, and uh, honestly, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't uh, try to continue the bit of me obviously not making a mistake and calling myself Steve last week. Um, but generally, I do agree with the points you're making. I, I was talking. I mean, right before this podcast started. My first question to you was, is any team really any good besides maybe two? And uh, the answer is still uh, up to the Magic 8-ball, it seems. So, uh, yeah, been a, been a fun week, that's for sure. Yeah, so we're going to talk about all that today. And, and let's start at the top. So what we really thought was going to be the game of the week in the, the conference this week was the, the contest in West Lafayette that pitted Indiana and Purdue in the battle for the state of Indiana round two. I mean, Indiana is a team that emerged with an upset win there. And it wasn't really Trace Jackson Davis that that led them. It was Jalen Hood-Shafino, who had, I believe, a career-high 35 points in that game. It was a similar story for Purdue as of late, where um, a lot of uh, productive play out of Zach Eady and not a lot of productive play out of the rest of the crew. Um, so, you know, that's I believe it's Purdue's third loss in four games. In Indiana had an up and down week, which we'll get into in a second, but another notch in the Mike Woodson belt for, you know, just the general toughness of that team um, and the dramatic change in culture that we've chronicled in this podcast here. Uh, but I mean, Brett, was this game more about Indiana and what they've been able to accomplish, or is it more about Purdue and them really being exposed as far as their ceiling this year? That's a really good question. And I mean, I, I think if you if you made me talk a lot about Purdue over the course of this game, we'd be getting back to the same things we've been we've kind of identified for a while. Um, so let's 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 take a, a couple minutes to really kind of give give kudos to to Indiana. Um, obviously, you know, it's it, I think the big thing for me is is seeing other guys really be able to pick up the slack when Trace Jackson Davis, uh, not necessarily having a bad game, you know, 50 percent from the field. 10, 7, 10, 8, and 7. So, you know, really, really productive game apart from the scoring. But you mentioned Hood Shafino's huge game with 35 points, but it was really nice to see Trey Galloway chip in with, with 13 points. Miller Cop have 13 points because we've really harped on Indiana's sometimes propensity for their, their secondary tertiary options to not produce offensively. I'm, I'm counting Hood Shafino as, as one of their two primary options. But they, they, they got two double-figure guys that, that, that weren't Hochefino and, and Jackson Davis, um, and that was enough to really get them to win the win. And, you know, it goes to show that they can really kind of lock down on some, some of these teams, uh, especially at the guard spots, and that's, again, without Xavier Johnson. Um, so I think that that's a really good sign for, for the Hoosiers. And then on the flip side, you know, you get another really efficient game from Zach Eady, 26, 16, three assists, two blocks. But... It's it's kind of the same old story where they're not getting production from from their wings really, uh, and that's something we've identified as a bit of an issue for for you know weeks if not a couple months now. 
Um, so I, again, I don't know if there's necessarily like alarm bells going off because Purdue's not losing, didn't lose to a bad team. Indiana's, you, you know, a, a pretty much as hot as as any team in the Big Ten. And Purdue, you know, as as you mentioned, Steve, losers of three of their last five, four of their last six actually, um, dating back to the beginning of the month. So you know, those those losses are are two good teams. So. I don't know that it's panic button time yet, although uh, some certain Purdue fans that listen to this podcast might disagree, um, and that's that's okay. But I think this was about Indiana, you know, really uh, going on the road and, and getting kind of a, a season-defining win, if you will. And the the funny part of all of this is um, a day after that Purdue loss, they got news that they get to hang a banner next year. Uh, because by virtue of Northwestern losing at Maryland, Purdue has clinched a share of the Big Ten title. We've gotten all the way to almost the end of the season, and we can finally, I guess, crown a portion of a conference champion. But Purdue, by virtue of Northwestern's loss, um, clinches a share of the Big Ten. They have two games on the rest of the field with two to go. Um, number one seed, not yet clinched yet, but um, a, a lot would have to go wrong for that that not to be the case. So congratulations to the Purdue Boilermakers. Despite them trending down, they get to hang a banner next year. And um, and I think that sorry before you before you continue, I think I, that goes to show you know this this is a Purdue team that not a lot of people believed in to you know even be have a, have a double buy uh, to say the least. So I I think some some kudos are due to to Matt Painter for a really excellent coaching job for Zach Eady to 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 Zach Eady for for really ex- being able to pr- continue to produce at a higher level despite insanely high usage. And uh, to, to that crew for, you know, being a really relatively inexperienced team, especially at the guard spots and, and getting a share of the Big Ten title is, is no easy feat, especially this year. And so we've we've talked about Northwestern at, at length over the last two weeks here and their winning streak. They came back to earth this weekend is that, you know, they're effectively the reason why Purdue gets to hang that that banner. They they suffered two brutal losses this week. Um, they They blew a big lead. They're up 18 at half in Champaign, blew that lead. Illinois came back. Kudos to um, Terrence Shannon, Michael Mayer, Brad Underwood, everyone that um, that, that that appeared to be a turning point for the Illini, um, or, or we all thought it was going to be at the time, which we'll get to in a second. But then Northwestern also close game at halftime today against Mar- Maryland, but Maryland, I think they made 14 threes on like 60% shooting from three. So they got a hot, they got hot from three to to get a victory over Northwestern. We now have a four-way tie at 11 and 7 for second place in the Big 10 and we'll get into again some of those other teams in a second. Uh, but <laughs> Northwestern clearly came back to earth. Um you know, you could look at it and say, okay, two road games against good teams, you know, nothing nothing to worry about, you know, Northwestern still seemingly in good position for a tournament bid. Um however, Let's talk about that game against Illinois because um, I think there we we saw some warning signs. Um, you know, Illinois engineered that comeback despite a 30-plus point game from Boo Booey. They were able to slow him down in the second half. But, I mean, I guess, how do you feel about this Northwestern team, um, just given the, the highs that they experienced over the last couple of weeks and now coming back down to earth? What do we make of them? That's an excellent question that I'm I'm sure that, you know, people like us, people, other people around the Big Ten and the committee uh, two weeks from now are going to really be trying to figure out. And, you know, the, the best thing I can say is that they need one of their three guards to be on because 
if all of them are off, I don't really know where else they're getting scoring production from. You know, they're still going to be effective at denying post scoring. I mean, you need to look, you only need to look at, at Dane Danger only managed two shots that game in, in uh, 15 minutes. And they, they really kind of forced the Illini to, to trend smaller. Coleman Hawkins was three for nine. Um, and the Illini really got a lot of their points from Terrence Shannon and, and Matt Meyer. And it's just, you know, Northwestern is not going to beat you with offense. And, you know, like we've talked about, defense is, is really good to have around defense travels, but, you know, you need guys to be consistent. And, and the types of shots that Northwestern really relies on, those those kind of tough mid-range jumpers and their guards attacking the rim is not always super sustainable. And we can, we've seen that. I mean, every team, every team in the Big Ten has blown a big lead this year. We've seen it top to bottom uh, and a lot in between. But, you know, for a team like Northwestern, when, when your, your shot making goes away, it's it's tough for them to manufacture points. Uh, they, they, they got to the line 12 times, but, you know, they blew an 18 point lead and they only turned the ball. Over, they turned the ball over 10 times, which is fine. Um, so it, it really was just a, a situation of kind of let, and then letting Illinois run in transition where they're at their best uh, is not a good recipe for success for the Wildcats. Yeah, so and I, I think here's here's the the thing even to boil this down a little bit more simply. So, uh, you know, Northwestern's not going to let you score from two, right? But they'll they'll give up threes, and you know that's essentially how Illinois was able to beat them, right? Shannon and Mayer made their threes, particularly in the second half of that game, and then Maryland got hot from three today. And even with Maryland, it wasn't necessarily one particular person; like it was their entire team. Actually, Maryland had all five of their starters in double figures today, which is a, a rarity in college basketball. Defense does travel, but teams tend to shoot better from three at home, right? And I, I think, you know, we what we got a little bit of with this Northwestern team was, you know, when they were able to rattle off those wins against Purdue and Indiana and Iowa, those those teams just didn't shoot as well um, on the road, which which is partially, you know, the defensive game plan, you know, that that's part of that. But I think it's just also a fact that, even like your your secondary and tertiary players tend to play better at at, at home, right? And the, you you see statistically that the shooting percentages go up. And so, you know, as far as how that translates on the neutral court, I don't know. But I think what we do know is that teams with higher ceiling in the tournaments tend to be teams that lean offense first, and Northwestern is not one of them. But that being said. Um, Northwestern still sitting there, um, second place, 11 and seven in the Big Ten, still a shot at the two seed. Um, and, and we'll talk about what they have in front of us coming up a little bit later here. So just to reorient everyone, we've got Indiana as part of that four-way tie at 11 and seven. We've got Northwestern as part of that four-way tie at 11 and seven. We've also got Maryland, who on top of the win against Northwestern beat Minnesota this week to move to 11 and seven as well. One of the teams that's not 11 and seven is one that we just talked about, the Illinois fighting Illini, because while they were able to engineer a huge comeback against Northwestern, they went into Columbus and dropped a dud um, again. Don't necessarily need to talk too much about that as we sort of chronicled the inconsistencies that this team experienced. But I think, you know, luckily they they seem to be in good position as far as the tournament bid goes. And. Um, while it, it may be a bad loss as far as their ambitions for Big Ten tournament seeding, um, Ohio State's still a pretty decent net ranking team. So I don't think losing on the road there is going to be too penalizing. But I think it's it's been you know an issue of the same thing that we've seen 
a lot with Illinois just being unprepared and kind of having let down games after what was the the biggest game of their season. They've got two huge games this week against Michigan and Purdue. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, they'll have their opportunity to, I guess, make up for what happened in Columbus today. The fourth team that's sitting there at 11 and seven is, um, yep, you guessed it, the, the Michigan Wolverines who were, other than Maryland, the only team in the Big Ten to pick up two wins this week, um, they went into the rack and got a a win in a rock fight, which usually the road team doesn't win those um, in the rack. But they held Rutgers, I believe, to 45 points of offense um, in that game where they were playing without Jet Howard um, and really were able to uh, boggle down that, that Rutgers offense. They then won a dramatic overtime game against the Badgers on Sunday involving a Hunter Dickinson buzzer beater to from 30 feet to force overtime and a career high 28 points from Kobe Bufkin. Uh, so, you know, Brett, I guess uh, Michigan might be in really good position as far as the other big 10 bubble teams as of today, but I guess now, with two tough wins under their belt relative to last week, how are you feeling about Michigan's uh, chances to make the NCAA tournament? Good question. Um, I mean, this was, this was really, this week was really gut check time for the Wolverines and they, they pretty, they answered the bell, I guess we'll say like not folding down the stretch. Although, you know, whether, whether you want to call blowing an 11 point lead to a Wisconsin team that has proven time and time again, that they really can't score, uh, succeeding is is kind of a whole thing but that's it without chucky hepburn by the way yeah without chucky yeah chucky hepburn took a uh some it looked either like knee to knee contact or uh planted kind of weirdly and and went out um you know at some point in the second half um but you know wisconsin fought back from down 11 but uh michigan ended the day with the win on uh, off of that heave by hunter dickinson um and you know, we're not here to debate the merits of the the following up three or not, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, big big wins for for Michigan. They're definitely playing probably as well as they have the entire season. Uh, I Steve is probably a better judge of that than me, but that that's from my, from my perspective. That's it. Now, when you look at tournament, I mean, the bubble now for the Big Ten is basically Wisconsin and uh, Michigan, and we're gonna you know we'll we'll talk about Penn State in a sec here. Um, but that's that's pretty much what it is at this point. I mean, you might be able to I mean, Iowa's probably safe, but they are uh, starting to trend downward as well. If you're going to compare resumes, there's no doubt in my mind, at least, that Wisconsin has the better one. They've got that road win at Marquette. They have, you know, a couple other road wins at at uh, Iowa and um, a couple other decent non-conference wins, USC, um, and have more quad one wins than Michigan does. Um they also have avoided they they avoided any kind of terrible loss you know I mean you can kind of discuss the merits of the Wake Forest loss but they have by Michigan has by far a worse loss in in the Central Michigan game. That being said, uh, you know the 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 recency bias uh, recency comparison definitely favors Michigan. They're playing their their best basketball of the season. Wisconsin hasn't won consecutive games all year uh, from a calendar standpoint. So I think. It's, it's going to come down to what the committee's feeling that day. I think unless, you know, we'll talk about this kind of week upcoming, because this week upcoming should have, can still have and will have uh, major tournament implications for both of these teams, uh, and as will uh, the, the Big Ten tournament. I think that 
for either team to make it. And I know Wisconsin's not really on the on the agenda this year uh, or this week, but they're going to at least need one, probably two Big Ten tournament wins and at least one of that one win down the stretch. Now their schedules vary significantly, um, but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, I think the the really the the main difference between the two resumes of these teams, and you hit on you hit on you hit uh, at least on Wisconsin's being more top heavy, and Michigan, you, you know, yeah, Michigan's got that bad loss, but one unique thing when you just look at where the wins are coming from, so Michigan's nine and one in quad two and quad three games, Wisconsin's five and six in those games. So I think, you know, if you're looking for where Wisconsin, what's weighing them down, it's really what they've done against like the middle level teams, whereas uh, Michigan's done really bad against the good teams. And then they also have that bad loss to Central Michigan. But I think that's another important point to make when we'll see how the committee treats that. Um, and, and you know, also Wisconsin did pick up a, a good win at home against the Hawkeyes this week. So, you know, it wasn't a week where all was for naught. And at the end of the day, this loss to Michigan was a road loss, which I, I think is is not damaging at all. It probably would have been more damaging to Michigan had they lost this game. But um, bringing this all the way back, you did talk about the, the Hawkeyes trending down. And um, to talk about them, let's also talk about Michigan State. So Michigan State had a wild, wild week. They played their first home game since the shooting and defeated um, the Indiana Hoosiers, that was an incredibly emotional and intense game. Um, and it was, you know, great to see that game be part of the the healing process for them. And to cap it off with a win over a ranked team was was really, really special to see. They then flip around and I don't know what to call this this game against Iowa on Saturday, whether it was the craziest, wildest. Um, I, I don't know what the word is. You rarely see games both teams score over a hundred points in regulation in a college game ever. Um, you know, you saw one team, Michigan state blew a 13 point lead. They had a weird stare down from Fran McCaffrey of, of the ref after he got a technical, but like, this is not the first time that Iowa's done something like this, this year. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think obviously while Iowa was trending down, um, I don't even know to call this like a shot in the dark because, like I said, it's not the first time they've done this this year. But if you're Michigan State, I mean, like an incredibly emotional like two weeks. Like, I mean, we know Tom Izzo is capable of essentially anything, but like, how does he get these? How does he keep these guys together? You know, to flip the script and um, and and you know, win in March. Short answer: I have no goddamn idea. I, I like it's, you know, I I, I am. Very lucky to have never, you know, had to be in a situation like this. Um, and, you know, not, it's it, it's it's really something. I mean, I, you knew that that game against Indiana was was going to be uh, emotional. I think was was a good way to put it. And and just very kind of a lot of energy in that building, um, a lot of relief in that building, things like that. Um, and you you know you saw their the team's leaders really step up and and have an impact, you know, Tyson Walker and AJ Haggard both scored 20. Um, Malik Hall fought off a rough shooting day to end with 10 uh, and chip in five rebounds in, in 24 minutes. Um, but it, it is really interesting that they, they really seem to be running a pretty small lineup out there now. I mean, they're starting Walker, Haggard and Akins uh, at the one, two and three. And those guys are all six, four or shorter. Hauser's six, nine, Sissoko six, nine, but 
I, I mean, you're not really getting a lot of in physical interior strength. And that's why it was really interesting to see, uh, you know, them, them kind of take care of business against Indiana. Um, you know, even with Hood Shafino and, and just Jackson Davis having, having good nights, um, they, you know, were able to force 13 turnovers and, and win the rebounding battle significantly accruing 10 offensive rebounds. And then that, I mean, that Iowa game was just weird as hell, I think is, is a pretty good way to put it. Um, I mean, they're, they're still getting production out of, out of their guards. Um, Haggard has been making a living at the free throw line as has Tyson Walker, who had 31 points that game. Aikens had 21 Malik Hall had 16. I mean, I think with this, the issue is they've got six guys that are capable of putting forth a good effort for a big 10 team. That's kind of it. I mean, their, their freshmen have not shown that they're ready to contribute yet. Um, you know, Holloman and Kohler kind of get in there for a little bit, but they're, they're really not able to contribute much. And Iowa just willed themselves to, to win. And uh, I will comment that the, the Fran glare was, I mean, I, if, if, if you're that ref, I don't know how you don't just start laughing at him because that's one of the more ridiculous things I've ever seen. I'm shocked he didn't get thrown out of the game. And I, yeah, that was, that was something else, but I th- I really liked what I saw from Tony Perkins you know, especially down the stretch, he's he's been pretty steady despite committing maybe the worst flop of that I've ever seen against Wisconsin. And it was good to see Iowa really bounce back after after letting that game against Wisconsin get away from them, um, albeit amongst exceedingly strange, you know, uh, circumstances. But they they got it done, and uh, I don't think that it's you know a, a huge blow to Michigan State in the long term, but it, it definitely sucks to let that one get away if you're the Spartans. Yeah, and and maybe the the only I think reprieve that you know you you might turn to is Tom Izzo is, is they actually probably have the most manageable slate in terms of remaining schedule down the stretch. They go to Nebraska this week and then host Ohio State. We may talk about this later, but I, it it doesn't look like the Minnesota game is going to get rescheduled. But even if it does, those are three winnable games. You know, the two on the schedule, even though going to Nebraska is we haven't we barely talked about them, but they're they're up to eight and ten um, with their recent hot streak. But you know, two winnable games for Michigan State, and again, and maybe that's where you start to turn it around, so they can go into the Big Ten tournament with some momentum. Um, before we talk about the um, final slate of the regular season this week, um, even though we've talked we we we've talked about crazy games and you know twists and turns of that that essentially like every team that's competitive for a tournament slot this week took we still haven't talked about Rutgers and you know they may have had the most chaotic season of any team just as far as the unpredictability of where their wins and losses come from you know even they were on a three-game losing streak they went into Madison and won there but then you know dropped a home game to Michigan and then they go into Happy Valley the place where dreams go to die as we like to call it and they come back from down 19 in the second half to beat a Penn State team that needed this that of, of any win that was probably needed it the most in the weekend slate. It was probably this Penn State game at home against Rutgers with their their bubble bids hanging by a thread and they had the lead. And of all people to catalyze the comeback for the Scarlet Knights, it was freshman Derek Simpson coming off the bench, figuring it out and leading them in scoring with 16 points. You know, a gritty, tough win that we've come to expect from the Scarlet Knights now. Uh, but, you know, as we hinted earlier, I mean, this this really, I mean, 
I don't. I, I think Penn State has to win the Big Ten tournament if they're they're going to make the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, unfortunately, it is it is kind of looking like that. And I think like you mentioned, weird week, weird season for Rutgers. This game was freaking weird. Like Mulcahy had zero points, only played or he played twenty nine minutes, uh, but zero points. Seth Lundy went zero for eleven from three. Uh, Pickett only got nine shots up. Uh, you mentioned Derek Simpson coming off the bench. You know, Caleb McConnell was in double figures, which is kind of a rare sight. Uh, and Cam Winter had 16 points. So this is just weird all around. Miles um, Dredd only took one shot. Like, it was just very strange. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think, unfortunately, that that uh, the Bryce Jordan Center, unfortunately, became uh, the place where Penn State's dreams of the NCAA tournament have gone to die prematurely. So, yeah, zing, I think, zing. zing, you know, we still got it this late in the season. We still got it. Uh but no, I, th- I think um, yeah, they their hopes probably rest on getting hot during uh, in, in during their time in Chicago, and uh, that's that's kind of where we're at with them now. All right, so you know, long recap of what happened this week, but let's let's talk about the remaining slate for the regular season. Just one week left in the regular season, you know, and we'll be with you through the end of the season here, doing the same thing we do every week, even come tournament time. Um, but let's let's talk about the games that are going to take place next weekend one i think scheduling administrative note that i wanted to touch on so i i'm sure many of you are following the drama behind whether this michigan state minnesota game will actually get rescheduled so here's the latest that i'm hearing from my sources being my sources being the internet so don't reveal your sources don't reveal your sources (laughs) trending towards this game not being rescheduled and here's why in order to get this game rescheduled, they needed um, all parties involved needed the Rutgers Minnesota game that's currently scheduled for this Thursday to be moved to this Tuesday so that this Michigan State Minnesota game could be slotted in on Thursday because Michigan State's currently already playing on Tuesday um, and Minnesota's playing Thursday and you know for this essentially to work it would involve you know a day a day of rest on Wednesday and then a day of rest on Friday, and then Michigan State would again play on Saturday, and Minnesota would finish out on Sunday. So it would it would essentially be a three-game week with only one off day in between if this were to work. But from what I've been reading, Rutgers has shut this down because, uh, you know, they, they, they played a game on Sunday that is finished at roughly 8.30 Eastern time, and then to take a long flight to Minnesota to play a Tuesday game. They just don't want to do that. So it's looking like this game will be rescheduled. The the reason this matters is because Michigan State's in the running for a double bye and part of the log jam of teams in the middle. But I believe they if they win out, they can still get that double bye. Um, and, you know, yeah. So I, I think that's that's where we land now. But just want everyone to be aware of that. We'll see if things change. The game hasn't been formally canceled at least as of Sunday night, but um, that that's a I think interesting note, especially if Rutgers and Michigan State meet in the Big Ten tournament somehow because of that, that, that would be dramatic. Anyway, though, let's talk about the game. So starting off on Tuesday, we have Iowa going to Indiana. Um, so two teams coming off a big high. Which one's going to have the letdown? Iowa plays notoriously worse on the road where their offense doesn't seem to travel 
and Indiana is nearly unbeatable at home. I, I like the Hoosiers. I, I like the Hoosiers here, although we just haven't been able to predict the Hawkeyes at, at any point and clearly no lead is safe against them. Uh, but I look for Trace Jackson to have a, a big bounce back game. And, and let, you know, Jalen Hood Shafino been relatively inconsistent, at least in the first two thirds of the year this year. Let's see if let's see how he responds to a thirty point game on a on a big stage. I'll be I'll be looking at that. And Keegan Murray's been eerily quiet um, as of late too. I think he's due for like a forty point game at some point here. Is, isn't isn't Keegan Murray leading the NBA in three point shooting? Chris Murray, thank you, thank you for the uh, thanks for the catch there. Won't be the last time that happens. Um, and then Michigan State heads to Nebraska. As I've been saying, eyes wide open here. Nebraska on fire. They're they're actually. <laughs> They're tied with Penn State and Wisconsin now in the Big Ten standings up to eight and ten. So, um, you know, I think I think Michigan State will be ready, um, especially coming off that that crazy loss. But um, Nebraska's for real and a sleeper to make some noise in the Big Ten tournament here. Brett, what you got for us on Wednesday? Yeah, I've got the uh, Terrapins of Maryland going to Columbus. Ohio State showed today that they, you know, they still got some juice at home, um, and so Maryland will undoubtedly be ready as they. Really try and continue their 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 hot streak. Uh, they're, they've been playing well. Um, obviously, they're not as strong on the road, um, but I, I think that you know, assuming that they can kind of lock Sensabaugh down and they've got guys like Dante Scott to throw at him, um, should be should be good. Uh, and then, uh, so I, I think Maryland can win that one for sure. Uh, then you've got Penn State going to Evanston. Um, I mean, this is. Again, the, the 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 way that Northwestern defends by doubling the post is and allowing threes is typically not how you want to guard Penn State. Um, I mean, Penn State had an off night shooting uh, today against Rutgers, uh, or they're in the 20% from three. I don't predict that will be the same case. I'm interested to see if Collins adjusts a little bit. I think Penn State has the making of a team that can, can go into Evanston and win, um, but I'm not sure how they're going to be able to handle uh, guys like Bowie and and Adige defensively. So I, I think this will be a close one. I like Northwestern at home, just uh, just with the home crowd there for them. All right. On, on Thursday, jam-packed slate here. So we got Michigan going to Champaign to take on Illinois. Uh, Juwan Howard still has not defeated the Illini in his tenure as Michigan coach. Um, which Illinois team are we going to get this game? Um, you know, given that it is in Champaign, I would expect a one that shoots a relatively high percent from the field. However, a few interesting storylines to keep track of here. Um, will Hunter Dickinson have the advantage in the post? Dane Danger, you know, probably not going to outscore him, but might be able to slow him down defensively. We'll see how Michigan plays that. I'm also interested to see how Michigan's guards, um, which, you know, aren't, you know, without Jet Howard, you know, they, they may not be the most ex- explosive offensively, but a lot of them are plus defenders. Terrence Williams, Kobe Bufkin. Let's see if they can slow down um, Terrence Shannon and and Michael Mayer, uh, particularly if Shannon and Bufkin get matched up on each other. That will be a fun matchup of two lefties. Um, and then the, the final headline is obviously will Jet Howard play? It sounded like he was close to coming back against Wisconsin today. Um, It'll be interesting to see um, if he if he returns against the Alina. That could be a boost for a seemingly surging Michigan team. Um, Rutgers heads to Minnesota also on Thursday. Um, this needs to be a win for Rutgers, and uh, you know, that Minnesota offense is relatively anemic to begin with. 
Uh, Rutgers coming off one of their most impressive wins of the season in Happy Valley. Let's, they should be able to continue that momentum um, going to the barn. And then Purdue goes to Wisconsin. Um, you know, it, 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 Wisconsin seemingly does not have the height to contain Zach Eady. Um, but, you know, they, they do a good job staying disciplined against everyone else. Um, and, you know, they, they tend, tend to shoot better at home. Connor Seijin surging. Um, seeing him and Klesmit, you know, go up against uh, Lawyer and Smith, that, that should be, you know, a really fun matchup. Keeping our eyes on, similarly to the other game, just talking about will Chucky Hepburn play? What's his injury prognosis? That that's a big storyline there. Um, and and can Purdue, you know, muster you know muster up their their pride and you know uh, stop the losing streak that they've been on and clinch the outright title. Um, would be unique to, you know, do it on the road at the Kohl Center, which is still a tough place for any team to go in and get a win. Um, but, you know, a lot on the line there, especially for Wisconsin, given what we talked about and them being on the bubble. Brett, you want to take the Saturday slate and maybe the first half of the Sunday slate? Yeah, sounds good. And also, interesting note for Purdue, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin clinched their share of the Big Ten t- uh, regular season on a game-winning buzzer beater by Chucky Hepburn against Purdue last year uh, at the Kohl Center. So, uh, we'll be interesting to see what the atmosphere is like there. Uh, moving to Saturday, we've got Ohio State heading to Michigan State. Uh, it's an important one for Michigan State. Um, you know, they, they're they jockeying for position along with seemingly everybody else in the conference. Uh, and I think for them, you know, getting as many buys as they could in the conference tournament will just help the mood overall. But like you had mentioned when we were talking about their week this week, a uh, good way for them to really kind of get some momentum going uh, by, you know, ha- handling teams that they should handle. Um, in addition to Nebraska. So I think that this is this is a really interesting one for them, uh, but they should be able to hold serve at home against a, you know, an Ohio State team that definitely has talent, but, and as, as we mentioned, is capable of winning games, but uh, on the road is a different story. Uh, and then I'll take the first three on Sunday as well. Maryland going to Penn State. Um, Penn State's got to have this one if they're going to even try and stay near the bubble. Um, Maryland is going to be interesting to see you know, how they try and defend Penn State's uh, just barrage of three-point shooting. I think Hakeem Hart and Julian Reese are going to looking to have big games as they take on kind of an undersized uh, Maryland or undersized Penn State, excuse me, front line. Uh, so I look for, for Reese really to continue his strong run of play, especially kind of finishing around the rim. Uh, Illinois-Purdue, this is, this is going to be an interesting one. It'll be a big one for uh, the... Seeding bonanza, as uh, as I, I'm going to call it from now on. Um, I just made that up, but here we go. Um, I think, you know, obviously Edie, uh, the Edie Danger hawkins matchup is going to be really interesting. I'm sure Illinois is going to throw a bunch of different looks at him and just dare uh, guys like Lawyer Smith and, and Gillis to really try and beat them from outside. Um, Illinois is going to look to really kind of get Edie running, I think, because they're especially when they, they run Hawkins at the five and, and, and Meyer at the four, they're really looking to push and transition. Uh, I look for them to really try and run off all misses and turnovers. So that's going to be interesting uh, clash of styles there. And then you've got Nebraska, Iowa. I mean, if Nebraska has a good week, they could avoid playing on Wednesday for the first time in forever. Um, and, but again, this is, you know, an Iowa team that shoots much better at home. Um, there will be a lot of points scored in this game. I feel like, so bet the over. All right, and then finishing up the slate on Sunday. So I'm actually I'm gonna pause after I say this just because I'm in shock for what I'm about to say. But this 
the Michigan Indiana game that we're about to preview, believe it or not, uh, if if things shake out right for both of these teams, the winner of this game could clinch a share of the Big Ten title. Think about that for a second. If Purdue loses at Wisconsin and then they lose to Illinois, Purdue will have seven losses. If Indiana beats Iowa on Tuesday and Michigan goes to Illinois and wins that game, this game will be for a share of the Big Ten title. And it, in Indiana's case, it will be for the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. So a lot has to happen for that to be the case. But this has the potential, given the way Purdue's trending, the way that Michigan's trending, and the way that you know Indiana's displayed consistency to actually be like a game with banner implications on it would be wild, but um, keep your eyes out for that. I, you know, a little bit of a revenge game here, right? You know, Indiana um, went into the Chrysler Center and got, you know, one of the premier culture wins of the the Mike Woodson era that they seemingly piled up this year. But, but you know, uh, they, they they beat Michigan on their home turf in a game that Michigan really needed. Um, but, you know, this for for Michigan, you know, the, the bubble is within reach. It's real. Um, and they've actually, you know, in their program's history, they've, they've won consistently in in Bloomington. Um, you know, it, I think Trace Jackson Davis got the better of Hunter Dickinson in their first matchup. We'll, you know, we'll we'll see if if Hunter can get the the better of him in round two. And Michigan wasn't able to contain Hutchinson the first time they met. Um, so you know, it, it it's it's that's what most teams have to deal with when they're playing in Indiana. But let's see if Michigan can do it a little bit better. Um, and avenge that earlier loss in the season that they had at Chrysler. Um, and then the final two games to note, Northwestern heads to Rutgers. Um, you know, Northwestern, they, again, they've got an opportunity earlier in the week to uh, to kind of write their losing streak at home against Penn State. But this is not the most fun way to uh, end the season. You know, th- this game also featured a really, really entertaining round one in Evanston. Um, it wasn't as much of a rock fight as we were we were thinking it would be, but this one, given the way both of these teams have been shooting, feels like it has rock fight written all over it. So no way to no way to better end the Big Ten season than than to watch these teams go at it late on a Sunday night. And then um, the final game of the season with Wisconsin at Minnesota. Um, this this is a great way, I guess, for Wisconsin to build momentum. Um, you know, in, in some ways it's, it, it, it can be a little bit of a curse too, because they really don't have anything to gain by winning this, don't have anything to gain by playing this game, but a lot to lose if, um, if all hell were to break loose. But um, as we talked about, Minnesota has been really bad here. So hopefully Wisconsin can pick up the win and move on. Um, that's all. Thanks for sticking with us today on another longer show. Things are getting crazy in the Big Ten, and we'll stick with you throughout the rest of the season here. We will know who the <laughs> number one seed is by the time we talk to you guys next week. We will know if there's one conference champion or multiple. Um, so definitely tune in this week. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll be with you guys.